Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast, post-game edition from U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings just lost 20-17 to to Baker Mayfield's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm here with Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune. We just got out of the locker room in the post-game interview room with O'Connell and Cousins, and I guess Ben will start with you. I can't imagine there was anything that could have been said that could really uh, put salve on this one. No, this was uh, a team they should have beaten in a game they fairly badly needed given what they have to go do Thursday night. And they lost in a manner that was a lot because of what they did. And they lost in a manner, I wrote about this in my game story, that this whole day was an homage to Bud Grant. Everything about it was an homage to Bud Grant except the way that the Vikings played because it was a lot of the types of errors and the types of mental mistakes that would have made uh, Bud roll his eyes and you you get that famous Bud Grant stare. So um, not not a uh, – it – they got blown out a couple of times last year, so it would be in competition with those. But surely from the perspective of them doing a lot of things to shoot themselves in the foot, just uh, the types, types of sloppy mistakes that we haven't seen them make a, a whole lot, this game is, I think, one of the worst we've seen from them in the 18-game Kevin O'Connell era to this point. Jim, that's basically what you wrote, right? Yeah, and <laughs> – and really, the contrast that really stood out to me was last year with a new regime that really didn't have a full off season. they really pointed toward week one, and they blew out the Packers immediately here. And it set them up for success all season long, both in terms of atmosphere and game planning and capabilities. This was the opposite of that. They looked like – this looked like the year they didn't have time to prepare for this game. <laughs> they had all summer to prepare for this game. And they did not – they looked like they had no idea what they were doing. They couldn't shut down Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, it, it was just a stunning juxtaposition for me. And you do wonder if because the Bucks, we all know the Bucks aren't that good. You do wonder if they spent a little extra time working on the Eagles the last couple of weeks and maybe that was on their mind and this one got away from them because, uh, as Ben said – because they're playing the Eagles, this game was more important. They had to win this one to avoid some kind of a bad start because three of the next four quarterbacks they face are Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes, all of whom could be in the MVP race. And the fourth one won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, Uh, and the fourth one won the Heisman Trophy, and not long after that they get Jordan Love, who looked great today. So this all of a sudden looks like a nasty early season schedule. It does, and it was really a tale of two halves, uh, at least for Tampa Bay, because initially you mentioned Mayfield. He couldn't do anything in the first half, and it was the second half when all of a sudden Tampa Bay's playing ball control, wouldn't give it up back to the Vikings. The Vikings are making mistakes. They were making mistakes throughout the game. That first half should have been a blowout for the Vikings given what little Tampa Bay could do offensively. But you had the turnovers. You had Ed Ingram forcing a fumble on his own. He had a strip sack. Antoine Winfield Jr. Well, had he his... was the only Vikings defender from that draft who made a good play. Lewis <laughs> <laughs> Seen ends up costing them a timeout at the end of the game because he leaves the field inexplicably 
with a miscommunication on the field goal block team, leaving 10 people. And you, I went back and watched the replay of that, and you see Jordan Hicks just throw his hands up in the air as soon as Lewis Seen leaves. Like, what are you doing? And they have to burn one timeout. Of course, the game ends because they didn't have any, enough timeouts to stop the clock as Tampa Bay ran it out. Um, they're young players. There were some bright spots with Jordan Addison, Ivan Pace, but there were some really boneheaded mistakes. And the bugaboo of it all is that offensive line was still bad. Yeah. And and injured. Yeah, bad and injured. I mean, very similar. And it's similar injury in the case of Garrett Bradbury to last year. I asked Kevin O'Connell afterwards, do you think he'll be able to go Thursday night? He said he's day-to-day. I would not expect the way they treated the back last year and that he's had a number of back issues now with it being a short week. I would think you're looking at Austin Schlopman Thursday night in Philly. And Cousins talked about needing to work on the center quarterback relationship a little bit there just because they haven't spent a ton of time together. That is not the environment you want to have to go do that, where it's like a financial field in their home opener on primetime TV when their fans will have had all day to uh, get tuned up. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. That's true. Jim, the offensive line looked bad even when Darisaw, fighting through an ankle injury, managed to stay in there. They had no running game. They spent the entire offseason talking about we need to get this running game going. Um, Cousins had no counterpunch. It was all Justin Jefferson and these receivers, and Cousins took hit after hit after hit. It was some of the same issues we've seen them try to fix all offseason. Yeah, the uh, offensive line's a problem. They're going to face up with uh, Fletcher Cox and Jalen Carter on short rest with maybe one or two backup offensive linemen in a very difficult place to hear signals. That's not going to be good. Um, I thought Madison did about as well as he could Yeah, with I what agree. he was given. He wasn't given much, and they couldn't stay with the run. Um, you know, listen, when they get the chance, this is going to be a very good passing team. But uh, the offensive line is is a big concern. And, you know, I actually thought Flores did pretty well trying to keep the Bucks off balance. I mean, I think the Bucks had one first down the first six possessions. Eventually, you keep putting NFL offenses out there in decent field position, they're going to break through. I, I Listen, Baker Mayfield, I don't think he's a good NFL quarterback by starter standards, but he does have some, some fight in him. And they gave him enough opportunities where all he had to do to win the game was make a few plays and a couple of scrambles. Uh, but he should have been down by 20 points and, and throwing the ball up for grabs, not in a situation where if he scrambles a couple of times, he's going to turn the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a scenario where if not for the fumble and the interception at the goal line, which we should talk about, it's like 24 to 10 at halftime. And, or even 24 to 7, I suppose you could add the strip sack. All that was just a blitz beating the protection. The, the two that were more preventable, I guess – were the strip sack, the Ed Ingram strip sack, and uh, the Ed Ingram forced fumble and the interception on the goal line. Uh, Kirk Cousins was came off the field pretty hot about 
Uh, if you go watch the replay on TV, he and uh, and Chris O'Hara, the quarterbacks coach, are going through that play on the sideline, and, and Cousins was not happy about something. Uh, almost looked like it's hard. I'm not a good lip reader, so I don't even want to conjecture about it. But he did not seem happy with something beyond his own interception on the play yeah kevin o'connell says after the game that we have to go back and check you know if the location of the ball was great but he said i like the aggression the decision um he said if we fire that in that tight window everyone says it's a great play which yeah touchdowns they are and i just think that i talked to kj after the game and he mentions i asked him like was that ball ripped out of your hands because it looked like he had it for a second yeah i thought so too and kj said no i never really had it so i'm not too sure what's what's right there what's wrong it was such a bang bang play that you know kj might have thought that when in reality the defender made a great play to truly rip it out of his hands whether he had it or not um that cousins might have thought he had a touchdown there when he didn't yeah, and it was a little behind him. Cousins said afterwards he was trying not to lead Osborne into the safety kneel that was sitting over the top, um, but it, it ends up then being able to get ripped out uh, by the other safety on the backside. Cousins said he should have kept going through his progression to Jordan Addison on an under route there. So O'Connell saying be aggressive there. I like the fact that you did it. Cousins is saying, well, in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have. So you know, some again, some similar themes to things we've heard in the past there. I think if that's the only mistake of the game, then we're probably not even talking about it because they win by 15 points. And you say, okay, it's Cousins has given one of his receivers a chance to make a play, no big deal. Um, and, of course, if that happens, we're also talking about Justin Jefferson going absolutely nuts on the weekend where he didn't get a contract extension. <laughs> that's true. Um, Joel Corey, the former NFL agent, now works for CBS Sports, put out there that – these things generally get more expensive the longer you wait, and that's common sense. But coming from a former agent, it obviously carries more water than us talking about it. But the Vikings were not able to buy this sort of deadline. Uh, typically, once games start, players and teams would rather focus on football and not be dealing with these um, contract talks. Uh, ben, they were unable to come to an agreement before kickoff today. Doesn't mean they won't come to an agreement as soon as the offseason starts. Yeah. Um, but... I do find it interesting that the non, the highest paid non-quarterback, that salary went up quite a bit uh, over the weekend or what was it, late next last week. Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Yeah, that goes up quite a bit. You'd mentioned on previous podcast it was like $31.5 million for Aaron Donald. Also, Nick Bosa rolls along and it's $34 million. Yes, Nick Bosa, who has the same agent as Justin Jefferson, uh, he has made a lot of money. He also has Joey Bosa. So... There's a lot of money coming from those deals. I don't know this. I have not heard this definitively, but I do wonder if Justin Jefferson, if if there was some goal to be the highest paid non-quarterback in football, that target got more expensive this week. I I wonder if that played a role in negotiations. I also wonder if... Um, the the timing of these two things and possibly one being able to help the other is not an accident. I Again, I don't know that. I'm conjecturing. But the timing of the whole thing makes me wonder that. Yeah, Jim, um, what did you think about kind of where the Vikings are at with him and just in general? Um, 
where this front office is. I mean, they get the Hawkinson deal done. They find a way to keep Daniil Hunter. They are trying to keep as much talent in-house as possible. They've got a lot of ways to keep Jefferson for many years to come, regardless of this long-term extension. But uh, this is the guy. This is the franchise centerpiece. You said it. He's the he's the the star. He might be the best player in the league. He's certainly the best player on this roster. Uh, and as you said earlier in the podcast, he's only going to get more expensive. We saw it today. He, uh, you know, first of all, he didn't play any holding games. He did not have an ear infection or a sore back in camp. Uh, and now, not even with you know not getting that deal done, comes out and has a great first half. Uh, if the offense had been more functional, he probably would have put a just ridiculous numbers in this game. He looks fantastic. Um, he's, he's only going to get more expensive. So I think I'm sure they're going to, I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to sign him, but I think they missed a, a window where they could get maybe save a couple million a year or 5 million a year. They're just going to have to, they're going to have to pay him whatever he wants at the end of this year, unless he gets hurt. And of course, nobody wants that to happen. It's also interesting that if, if you do that, you, I suppose you could take one of two routes. You have to figure out who your quarterback is after this year. So if you if that quarterback is Kirk Cousins, that's going to mean a new deal for him, which is going to come in a big cap number, then that I would think would have some bearing on what you do with Jefferson because you probably can't do Jefferson before Cousins, I wouldn't think. Because if you do Jefferson, then you are – if, if Jefferson gets too expensive, you're basically saying we can't afford a veteran quarterback, which then boxes you into drafting one. And they have not been a team that has said, we're going to draft one just to draft one. We saw Rick Spielman do that a couple times and got burned for it in some ways. I mean, certainly got burned for it with Christian Ponder. And you can think of other positions where Spielman said, I got to have this, so let's just go get the best one there. Laquan Treadwell comes to mind. They have not done that, especially at quarterback. And I don't think they want to do that at quarterback. But if you sign Jefferson and that gets expensive, you're sort of nudging in that direction unless you go to get the bridge quarterback for a year or two. It is the whole thing, the fact that you have a quarterback and a receiver who are both big on the I'm going to bet on myself game makes this a really interesting and potentially precarious six, eight months here for the Vikings in terms of how all of this comes together and what you do first and what it costs and what has bearing on the other one and, and so on and so forth. Also sets up the risk if you have a bad year and Cousins either moves on either because he wants to or because they don't want him around here anymore. Now you have Jefferson deciding whether to sign a large contract with a, a franchise that hasn't won anything and might not have a quarterback. And Jamar Chase is waiting in the wings. I saw him talking to Cincinnati media last week and asked about Justin Jefferson's contract talks. He said, I hope my former, he didn't say this, but his former LSU teammate, I hope he sets the market for me. Well, the longer you wait, the more you run the risk of uh, Chase, who's eligible for a new deal next offseason when they're kicking the can down the road with Jefferson here a little bit, that, uh, well, what if Chase sets the volley for Justin if you don't get that deal done first. And I like that all goes back to these things getting more expensive the longer you wait because these guys uh, certainly want the money in their pocket now. Money now is better than money later for anybody. And so it's, yeah, it's just going to get more expensive the longer you wait. But we all know that the Vikings, no team is going to let that guy walk out the door 
um, when you've got the all-time one of the all-time greats. Todd Bowles said after the game, the Buccaneers head coach, this is one of the greatest to ever do it. And I don't think I've ever heard a coach say that about a fourth-year player. Yeah, saying that about a guy before his 25th birthday is uh, – <laughs> and Todd Bowles does not strike me as somebody who's given to a lot of hyperbole. Yeah. So – and, a, you know, a guy that's had to defend – for a long time against some great receivers and has had some pretty good defenses. So that carries some weight that that's uh, yeah, those words are, are pretty striking coming from him. I would think, well, there were a couple bright spots. If you squint and look really hard, uh, Jordan Addison catches a 39 yard touchdown. He had four grabs for 61 yards and a score. He was clearly the number three receiver behind KJ Osborne, but he was producing when he was put on the field in those three wide sets as the third receiver, um, that seems like everything they talked about with this kid in the preseason and the offseason from what we saw seemed to translate in terms of his skill as a receiver. I don't think he's going to help them really get that run game going. But um, that's why K.J. Osborne's getting all those reps on early downs. But it seems like they've got another really potential weapon at wide receiver with him. And then we didn't even really talk much about Hawkinson because he wasn't able to do too much with this offensive line. Right. Uh, I mean, the skill position players, and it was really interesting too. Cousins kept raving about his skill position players, and he's right. These are, I mean, Jefferson's great. Addison had a really good debut. Osborne's really good player. Hawkins is a really good player. I think Oliver's a really good player. Uh, he did not say the same things about his offensive line, I noticed. Yeah, Ingram, now Schlotman, as they say, in the, at the center spot. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, who entered this, this year in the contract year with no real movement on talks for him because they just don't seem too enamored with that no, interior line. No, I don't line. think they are. And uh, Ingram, for all that they talked to, I thought Wes Phillips was effusive in his praise with Ingram uh, before this game and what he'd done in camp and how they thought he'd keep developing. And he was beat on a sack in the third quarter. He had the strip sack where he just – he seemed like he was pulling and he just straight up knocked the ball out of Cousins' hand. Um, these guys are making mistakes left and right. And obviously Austin Schlotman's a backup center. You're not going to expect too much out of him. But – and then Brian O'Neill, after the game, said he felt fine. But you could see him sometimes on the field limping a little bit. He's coming back from a serious injury. Uh, these guys are all kind of gutting through stuff, the ones that are good and healthy. And then you've got the backups – in the interior line doing the, more of the same. Um, and that's got to be troublesome for a team that in four days, as we talk about, is going to Philadelphia. Uh, quick, what did you guys think of uh, what happened around the division with the Lions beating the Chiefs and the Packers dismantling uh, the Bears? Jim, what did you think of those two outcomes? I really thought the Lions showed a lot of grit in winning that game. Now, you could also say that Kadarius Toney, uh, we need to check his gambling record, see if he bet heavily on the lines, because I've never seen a receiver destroy an offensive game plan the way he did. He probably cost them 14 points. Uh, so I'm not going to overreact to the Lions winning. I thought the Chiefs just – I thought Tony killed them. But at least the Lions hung in there on the road and, and got a victory, and they certainly aren't afraid to – I mean, I love Dan Campbell's style. I love the, the fake punt and the attitude. Uh, Jordan Love looked fantastic today. Now the Bears, I think, really stink. I thought this might be the year they take a leap up forward. They're bad. They're bad. It looks like a badly run organization. But Jordan Love looked great. So you know, if you were only going to judge this division on today, you say that the Vikings are the third best team. Now that can change, probably will change in some way. But after one week, I'm no longer looking at the Lions as being a fluke last year. I'm not looking at Jordan Love as being somebody who can't take that team someplace. 
Yeah, and the other thing that's worth remembering if we are kind of handicapping this race is that road trips to Philly are not on the Packers and Lions schedule. That game is one of the games that varies based on where you finish in the division. It's that one. It's the trip to Cincinnati. It's playing San Francisco. Everything else is the same for those teams, but it's those three that the Vikings have that their opponents do not. And this is, you know, this comes with the first place schedule. It's it's part of how the league works, and it's part of what you get for winning your division. But when you lose today, and you have to go out there on a short week, and then you come home to Justin Herbert, that's not a great way to start. I mean, they have to figure things out awfully quickly, or you're you're potentially staring at. One and two, zero oh and three. Maybe you go win in Charlotte, but then Patrick Mahomes comes to town. So we talked about this early stretch of the schedule being the one where you have to win the games you're supposed to win, given the teams that you have to play and the quarterbacks that you have to play in some of these other early weeks. Not beating Baker Mayfield at home is one of those that, if you're drawing up a way that they can get through this and weather the storm, that is not one you would have wanted to drop. I think it's one that they could be looking back on for a while and uh, regretting for quite a long time. 